Good morning. Hey, we're opening up the uh, scriptures this morning. We're in Psalm 120, and just so you get the lay of the land, we've been in the Psalms for a little while. Last couple weeks, we were in uh, Psalm 119 prior to Easter season. That is this epic, beautiful poem about the sufficiency and power and uh, the joy that floods our souls as we embrace the Word of God. All of Psalm 119 is about the Word of God. And so now, Psalm 120 through Psalm 134, that's 15 consecutive psalms, and they all start with this little uh, header up top, and that is, uh, they are the Psalms of Ascent, 15 in a row. If you can imagine, the concept is that the people of God living all over the, uh, the area of the promised land, they would come to Jerusalem three times a year, and as they came, they would sing these psalms consecutively. They were accomplishing various things. And they, this first one, they are singing and saying, Lord, save us from a generation full of lies and deceit while we look to you, the source of truth. And then the next 14 would be in order as they came into Jerusalem, as they offered their sacrifice and their sacrifices of praise, and as they moved out of Jerusalem and went back home, all 15 of these psalms would be, would be sung. And so you can sense that there is a corporate reality to these songs. We all sing them together. But several of them are unique because, um, well, you can look at Psalm 120. Every pronoun in Psalm 120 is a personal pronoun. That is, I'm singing this with the team, but I have to mean it from my heart. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to read Psalm 120, have a word of prayer, and we're going to pick up right there the concept of the individual psalm. Psalm 120, a song of ascents. And before we continue on, just remind each of us, this is the Word of God. This is the Word of God. A song of ascents. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and He answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshach, that I dwell among the tents of Keter. Too long have I made my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when they speak, when I speak, they are for war. Father, would you help us? I pray that this psalm is just such an, it encourages all of us today as much as you've encouraged me with it this week. Lord, not because of me, but because of the power of your word. We need illumination, that is, the the power, your power to see what you say and what you intend in this psalm. And we praise you, Lord, for the Word of God. It is, as we've just sung, our stability. We build our life on your Word. And we pray for help. In Jesus' name, amen. This song of a sense. Uh, it's this individual singing the psalm in a corporate place. And so here's the question I have for you. Are you a singer? 
Are you ready to sing? Now, the reality is, some of us, well, let's just be honest. There's a bunch of us that all of you can be faithful, be, be thankful that we are not singers publicly, right? That we don't all get the mic on a Sunday morning. That's a really good thing for the whole congregation. And so when I say, are you ready or are you learning to sing? I'm not saying, are you literally going to do something vocally in front of the congregation? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, are you learning that this psalm must be sung with meaning and intent and purpose from your heart? Are you learning how to embrace these, the truths that are found in Psalm 120, internalize them for your heart so that your life means it, even if we're all glad you're not singing it as a solo? Okay, so that's the concept here, an individual psalm that we're all learning, that we're all learning to sing. And so, friends, as we, we see the theme then of the psalm, it's, it's, it's the truth. The, the, the theme being that in my distress, I called to the Lord. He answered me. Verse 2 gives us the theme. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. Got, friends, the foundation of every lie is a lie about God. When I want more influence, I believe that God will have less influence many times. When I want more dollars, I believe the dollars can save. Only the Lord can save. When I want to sin and indulge my flesh, I believe that the Lord does not see or that the Lord will not hold me accountable or that the Lord is not the judge. And so the, the basis of all of, of every lie is it starts with a lie about the Lord and about who He is. And somehow we get sucked in to believing it. Verse 1 starts out, in my distress. Friends, lies create distress. That word, it indicates this closing in. This, I, I used to have freedom, now I'm enslaved. I used to have room to operate, now I have less, less. Uh, I, it's a narrowing. I used to have abundance, and now the liars would make me believe I had, what I have is meager. Where there was freedom, there's restrictions. And the further we go, in terms of in this generation, the more that the liar holds, and the more that the liar speaks, the liar becomes emboldened in their lives. They would encroach upon the people of the Lord. And we would feel as if there's a narrowing. And that's what's being described by the psalmist. I've got less room to operate. I feel like the whole world is out and believing these lies and they're, they're coming for me. It feels like the, the, the people of God, we've got less and less room to operate. And we can say less and less specific words. What are we going to do? Well, the word there is distressing. It's distressing when this happens. If you live among somebody who has the, the influence and is a liar, you live in a constant state of distress where you are concerned about what words you can use and what you can say and where you will have freedoms and not. So, that brings us 
to our first concept here as we are looking at this psalm. And that uh, what we want to do is say, look, the whole of life is you learning to sing, not because everybody else is singing or not everybody else's part. You're not just, you're not just going along with the motions, but in your heart, you're learning to sing Psalm 120, even while there are indeed lies and liars who are flourishing. First concept here is uh, from this concept that w- when we are distressed by lies and deceit along life's journey. Before we even go to our first point, I just want to point out three specific areas, at least in my mind, I'm thinking of that are specific areas along life's journey that are challenged. If Psalm 120 to Psalm 134 are the Psalms of Ascent, the middle Psalm, I think, gives us the focus of all the Psalms of Ascent, namely Psalm 127. You probably all have most of it memorized. Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. So, the first area we have in mind as we think about distressing is the area of the home. The Lord builds the house. He is the one. And so, in the midst of a lying generation, we build our homes in the truth of God's word. Politics. We live in a generation of politics that go their own way. Psalm 127, Psalm 127 would say, uh, unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman watches all night in vain. So it's nonsense unless the Lord's doing the work. And then Psalm 127, so, so in politics, and thirdly, in the marketplace. You can work all you want and toil until your fingers bleed if you want to, but you labor in vain unless the Lord does the work and causes you to, to flourish. And so as we're thinking about how our life is kind of taking shape, at least those three areas should be in our heart and mind as we think through this, this uh, life's journey concept. So where we are distressed in the area of family, where we are distressed in the area of politics, where we are distressed in the area of what's happening in the marketplace, we bring those concerns Along life's journey, we bring those concerns back to the Lord. All right? So number one, as we are distressed here, we will continue to call out to the Lord for rescue. This is uh, what God calls to be the remedy. This is what the psalmist is teaching us. And I think verse 1 is the key to the whole psalm. Continue to call out to the Lord. That word there, called out, it's in a certain tense, and it just means this. It's a present progressive. So it just means I have been calling out, and as I look forward in my life, here's what you can count on. I will continue to call out to the Lord. This is what I will do with the lies. I will ask the Lord to intervene, to help. He will come and help me. Note this, that rescue from the lies does not mean the end of lies. There's a moment when the Lord might take you from a situation where you're being lied about or where He's being lied about, but that's rare. That's the exception. The psalm starts with, I'm surrounded by lies, Lord help me, and it ends with, 
Woe is me, I am continually surrounded by lies as I dwell in the midst of this culture. So the rescue cannot be God's taking me out of a situation where I will experience lies. Not at all. We will remain in a situation where we have to discern truth from error. We should expect that what's going to happen in this generation is not somehow the Christianization of the family totally, or the Christianization of politics totally, or the Christianization of the marketplace fully. Not at all. In those three realms and all of the others, we are going to experience the lies. So where is the rescue? Look at verse 1. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and He answered me. That's why I start out by saying you and I have to learn to sing the song. Do you see that He's answered you if He's drawn you to the truth? You see that he himself is the truth. That Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples, said, I am the way, the, the truth, and the life. God is the truth, and every lie has as its foundation the concept that God is not the truth. And if you have been brought in the midst of this generation to trust that the Lord is telling you the truth, and he is the source of truth, you have been rescued at the hand of God. He's let you and helped you to see these truths. The great rescue from lies, we are seeing and believing that God is the truth. So I number myself among God's people. And at first, if you're like me, there's seasons in your life when you could not sing along with all of the truth songs that the people of God would be singing. I want you to imagine all these people coming from, from Kadesh or from all these various regions of the area and they're walking in and there's some kids there that are 12 and 15 and there's some rebels like me there that are in their 50s and they're walking along and they're listening to the song being sung and they're asking questions like this. I pray all the time that the Lord would deliver me from the lies. And here I sit living my life in the middle of it. So I'm asking the Lord to redeem me. I'm asking the Lord to save me. But I don't see it. Does, it. does the Lord hear these prayers? Does He answer prayers? Come on, Lord. What are you going to do? And so maybe that year, I'm walking along up to Jerusalem toward the temple and towards the sacrificial system, and you're singing loud at the top of your lungs because you've seen his deliverance in your life that year. And I'm just thinking about it as I'm walking. I don't see it. I don't see it. Lord, I'm going to need you to come and do some profound thing for me because I don't see it right now. And that's why the beauty of the, the, the called out, gathered saints, we need each other to sing individual laments when they are real in our hearts and we believe them. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? I want you to be putting it in words. And I want to be the guy sometimes standing next to you, walking towards Jerusalem figuratively, and you are belting it out at the top of your lungs, and I'm thinking about it, and I'm coming back to this verse going, you know what? He did answer me. When there is no reason why I should have had access to the truth, he told me he's the truth. 
And there is, I've done nothing good to deserve it. He's let me have access to his word. When I have done nothing to earn it or deserve it, he sent his spirit to convict my heart and make me alive. When I have, in my trouble, he's even allowed me to have the kind of trouble that would actually make me come to my senses and, and come to him. And now, in the next year, we come down the road to Jerusalem and it's Rosh Hashanah, the new year, and it's my voice shouting at the top of my lung because individually I've learned the truth. Jesus does does. He is the truth. He is the one who, who delivers us from trouble, and he does answer me. And listen, parent, the best thing that you can do for your young kids is see that God has answered your prayer, and when you talk about him, emphasize how he's answered your prayer to reveal the truth to you. If I'm a parent and all I do is walk around and say, you know, I, I, it turns out I don't even pray anymore because I haven't seen the answers to prayer. Well, we, we need to look closer. We need to come closer and see that God is the God who answers prayer. He is the God who rescues. No one here can sing this psalm for you. You've got to learn to sing it from your heart. You've got to learn that God has brought you to himself. And so you see here the one imperative in verses 1 and 2, deliver me, Lord, deliver me. It's like uh, it's like the the sufferer telling God what to do. Come and rescue me. And it means at least two things. It means number 1, I'm desperate and I'm asking him for the help. But number 2, it means I am going to resist and stop turning to any and every other savior from the trouble. I'm going to turn to him and I'm going to turn only to him for help. When we are distressed by lies and deceit along life's journey, number two, we know that the Lord will decisively respond. Now, we've already talked about seeing that the Lord answers questions and leads us into the truth. But can I just tell, in this generation where there are people of, uh, that, that are building families on lies and there are people that are building politics on lies and there are people that are building the marketplace on lies, and we're called to live in the, mi- in the midst of that, we have to know that the Lord will decisively respond. Look at verse 3. What shall be given to you? Now he's talking to the deceiving tongue. What will become of this generation that lives their life as if God is not God? What will become to this generation that says, I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care what God has revealed. I don't care about God. I'm going to live how I want to live. You know that the whole generation, this is the, the, how they want to go about their business. They think they are gaining something. They think they're gaining a freedom. I want to do what I want to do. And they think that without the, the kind of uh, uh, the filter of the Holy Spirit and without that which would hold them back, they think, I'm going to get something that everyone else, no one else will get in this freedom. So I'm going to go my own way and do my own thing. And they are deceived. Because in thinking that they have freedom, the Scriptures clearly say they're actually in bondage. They're in bondage to the sin nature. They want more of uh, chains when they divorce themselves from God's Word. 
They want more restriction. They want more entanglement. The scriptures clearly say, John 8, 36, the Son sets free. Whom the Son sets free, free indeed. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If you want to live your life with liberty, if you want to move away from the, the uh, challenging and, and, and encroaching uh, trouble of the lies of this generation, then come and live in the power of the Spirit where there is freedom. This generation says, you know what? I want money, materialism, I want to live for money. I want to make money. But the reality is that all the money is passing away. No one will take any with them. Comfortable for a few years? Sure. By the way, uh, having money is not bad. Loving money is the problem, right? Matthew 6.21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. You know what? I want to be respected. This is the third thing they say, the lie. I want to be respected and relevant with what the, the modern culture says is the way we ought to think. I want to, to get my brain wrapped around the respect that comes from saying the same thing as everybody else. But the Scriptures clearly say, Romans 12, 1 and 2, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the Scriptures, by the renewing of your mind. And so while the world around us is saying, you know what we're doing, we're throwing off the chains of the Scriptures in order to live our lives, and all of us are sitting here, and we have to be very careful that we do not begin to mix in a little bit of their desires with what the Scriptures clearly teach. That we don't say, yeah, yeah, I want Jesus, but you know what, I want some of that freedom too. I'm going to do what I want to do. I want some of that money too. I want to love it just a little bit. I want some of the respect of this generation. So I am going to change the message of the scriptures so I can be a little cooler, a little hipper, a little, a little uh, more acceptable in this generation. But the one who is being coming free from the lies would say it this way, I think. My friend, as you lie to me, and as we live in this culture of lies, I respect you as being made in the image of God. But there is nothing about the way you are living your life that I want. My heart is fixed and set on God. Here are the, here's the two sides of the coin. Coin When you, you remove the power of this generation, I don't live for your approval. Don't care what you think. By the way, be careful if you spend a lot of time on social media. You can, you can have this insidious little burning of beginning to think about what this generation thinks as you just page through. There's a lot of dangerous places. That's just one of them. I, I'm not going to live for your approval on the other side of that coin. I'm not going to bow at your derision. Because coming to the truth and I'm living in the truth, I believe the truth, and it has, He, Jesus, has set me free. Now guys, vengeance is the Lord's, it's not ours.
So I think sometimes we, we come into these lies and these situations and we think, well, here's a couple ways we could respond. You know, uh, I could take, t- take matters into my own hands, right? I could begin to think that what I need to do is kind of fight fire with fire. They tell a, a lie, I tell the truth. And we become this sort of throw the gloves off kind of boxing match. That's not it here in this passage. You see that? It says here, I live among liars, so I'm going to believe that you, Father, are the truth, period. You don't need to make anyone pay for a lie. You don't need to make anyone miserable because they're like, you don't have to work up the perfect, uh, the perfect speech to try to convince the liar of the truth. You need to live with gladness and joy in the truth. Hold to it with all your heart and mind and soul. Vengeance is the Lord's. You see what's happening here. The Lord will decisively respond. Verse 3, what shall be given to you and what more shall be done for you? This is the language of the curse. You remember in Ruth? And she says, you know, I'm going to go with you back there to your people and and." Uh, this will be done to me and more so. I will be cursed if I don't go with you back to your people. This, this is the language of curse. And verse 4 is what we're willing to say about how bad the curse of God will be on a generation that lives in lies. But verse 3 is saying it's going to be far worse than we can even put into words here. And so you see in verse 4, sharp arrows are going to come to them. And the glowing coals of the broom tree. I read a book by Dr. Kaiser, who attends church here, and he was writing on Psalm 120, and he's writing on the broom tree. Broom tree, the concept is this, that the, the wood is so hard, it's like charcoal. And the legend of old is that there was a place where the guy was pulling together his large fire of broom tree. He grilled his brats. He went on his what? He didn't have brats. He, he should have, though. He went on his way. He came back a year later. The, goal, the coals were still, the embers were still hot. One time, here, can I just tell you something? I do not like camping. Camping is not my thing. If you camp, God bless you. I don't know why I would drag my food out in the woods, put on layers of chemicals until the, the, the chemical gets in my food, taste it for the weekend, and for whatever reason, God sends hailstones and storms upon me when I'm in the tent. If you like to camp, God bless you. One time when I was the pastor of student ministries, we were camping for the student ministries, and my team did all the work, so me and Nikki and a couple of our kids showed up at the campsite. Ryan is what, I don't even know, like six years old, something like that. There is a large bonfire there, you know, and of course, we just got to the campfire. It's fine. It's all good, you know? So here, Ryan is doing what kids do, throwing, running, going. He jumps in the middle of that fire pit. We did not know that the night before There had been a fire there. There was no smoke coming up. It was like the broom tree. It was hot embers. He stood there for a minute and didn't realize, and then it was getting hotter, and then he was feeling it, and then me and Nikki left, which is where I wanted to go anyway, (laughs) for the emergency room. Here's the point of verse 
number four. The sharp arrows are going to come. In other words, the one who bases his life on the lie, judgment will come harshly when they least expect it. And verse, the second part of verse four, by the way, if you like camping, I'm, I'm still your friend. With glowing coals of the broom tree, and that means at least this, that God's judgment against those who reject his truth is going to endure. Here's my point. In this generation, if the church is living like the worldly way of living is what we really want, we have no message of hope for them. And so we take a step back from that and we say, look, friend, we love you, but we will not base our life on the lies. We will not embrace this worldly way of kind of thinking about what success is in this generation. We can't do it. You aren't living some, some beautiful thing that I'm missing out on. Do you know that if you are living in the truth, you have the blessing of God on you? He has revealed to you His goodness. He has helped you see the, the danger of walking away from His ways. Friends, teach your young people this, and you can't teach your young young people this with words. You teach your young people this with, with your contentedness with what God has provided you, with your kindness, with your persevering in the truth, with your gentleness, with the peace that's in your heart. This is the only way to teach your kids that what you have from the Lord is enough. It's enough. He's enough. Vengeance is not yours or mine. His judgment is coming surely. His judgment will endure for a long time. Number three, when we are distressed by lies and deceit along life's journeys, we persevere in the truth, a source of peace for the whole world. Our expectations, we're going to continue to live in the land of lies. No way around it. He says it like this in verse 6. <sighs> Woe to me. Woe. The next chapter of my life is like the last chapter of my life. Now, I know the truth, and it set me free. he set me free, but I'm going to live among the, the people of Meshach. That's far north. Very pagan. I'm going to live among the people of Kedar. That's far south. Very pagan. In this generation, I'm going to live there until I take my last breath in this world. I should expect that the lies will continue. Too long, he says, have I had my dwelling place among those who hate peace. Those who lie will, will pick about every phrase you use, every word you use to tell the truth, and they will result then in real fights. You may have real fights in your house this week. You may have anger, you could have yelling, you could have extortion, that could lead to fraud, that could lead to separations, to divorces, to fear, to divisions, to generational feuds, to wars. The psalmist counts all of those under one word in verse 1. Distress. It's distressing. What do I do? Well, we hold to the real peace that comes from God. Verse 7, I am for 
peace. You can't be for peace unless you have peace. That peace comes from the Lord. God owns this world and sovereignly rules it with love. He cares about you. Uh, I have rebelled against his authority and do not deserve to be made his friend again. I have made myself his enemy. I have turned to the very lies we're talking about today. Every one of us had to come to the realization that at some point in our life, we embraced the lies and rejected the truth. I have hated the idea of peace with God and tried to walk in my own ways. And all along the way, in hating the truth, I covered up that truth with my own version of the lies. That means I've hurt and broken relationships in my life with lying. Those who rebel against God are under His righteous judgment, and He does not have any responsibility to make it right, but oh, how He loves you. And he loves me. In order to have peace with God, he will have to give it. That's called grace. Genesis 3.15 says that he will send one who will destroy the enemy and destroy the body of sin that lives in you and in me. God promised that he would send one who would bring peace and redeem. Friends, we live in this New Testament time frame when we can see it's Jesus. Jesus Christ His beloved Son died in our place, paying our sin debt to redeem us and bring us back to God. And so, friends, He offers forgiveness and peace with God for all those who believe. Guys, the world around us is not going to be moved by these realities. We're going to live them out. Week by week, we're going to sing these songs. We're going to gather in this place and, and learn to sing them ourselves. When we are tentative with it at first, if you're tentative with these truths, you're in a good place. Welcome to the family. Lots of us in this room are tentative with these truths. We're still learning them. We're learning how to say them when there's no safety net beneath us. We're learning how to sing them when no one else is singing along. We're learning how to believe them when the lies seem to flourish for a season. We're learning that God is good when life is bad. We're all learning them together. So if you're in here today and you're like, man, I'm a long way away from actually being able to sing that song with any kind of personal conviction, Thank you for being here. You are welcome here. We long to to teach and to learn from you, but to teach you that the Lord himself is the truth. God and his people must graciously and lovingly call these people of Meshach and call these people of Keter to come and see that the Lord is good. He's good because he's true. And he's loving. In my distress, do I complain? Do I panic? Do I get angry? Do I fight fire with fire? Do I, do I uh, forget the whole thing and try to back off? Nope. Not giving up on the truth. I am numbered. You are numbered among God's people. And we are clearly seeing his answers 
to our prayers. He has shown you that he's the truth. And so now here we are in the caravan of people that are moving from one place to another. And figuratively speaking, we're moving around the the geography. And literally speaking, we're moving from this world to heaven together. And we're singing these songs back and forth so that we can all have the testimony and all say it with conviction. And I listen to your testimonies. Faithful adherence to the truth. And I gladly and confidently learned to sing this song of truth as a, as a solo with no safety net. We believe the Lord. And just so you can see that Jesus went first, I'm going to close with one verse here. 1 Peter 2, 22-24. You say, well, shouldn't we get upset? Shouldn't we be angry? Shouldn't we do something? Or should we back off and live apart from this generation? No, no, no. Stay at it. Don't be upset. 1 Peter 2, 22 says this, He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile. When he suffered, he did not threaten but he continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. Guys, this generation doesn't have anything you want. Come to the truth. Come love Jesus. Come and trust your life to him. Let's stand and be dismissed. Father, open up our eyes to see the truth of this. Thank you so much for the Psalms of Ascent. Bless us in these weeks as we study what the Word clearly says, that in the home and in politics and in the marketplace, we do not fight fire with fire. We ask the Lord to help, and we believe the truth. Lord, you are the truth. Thank you for saving so much of us, and I pray for each one of us We're going to sing among the congregation. We're going to encourage one another. And somebody this year, this month, somebody in this room is going to start singing this song without a safety net. Not doubting it anymore. Not saying it because someone else said it. Not standing there just listening. It's time to sing. God, you're the truth and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.